0: Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. On the house. Your Saturday morning tradition since 1988. We have... Uh, the outdoor living I'm not sure what went on did anything go on I I was talking I don't know that my mic was on I can hear you (laughs) but I couldn't hear you in my head (laughs) So, Okay, well, it's Saturday morning. Good. It's 8 okay. o'clock. Let's, we'll just take it from the top. Uh, and the Outdoor Living Hour, we are the first Saturday of the month. We have the Farm Bureau in here the second Saturday of the month. We're talking trees. Third Saturday of the month. Notes from the nursery. Fourth Saturday, it's Urban Farming. What happens on those magic fifth Saturdays that we get a couple times a year? Well, we've got returning guest star, guest featured guest Donna De Francesco joining us in studio to talk about gardening book review. And before we yeah. get into uh, the conversation, because you've got a huge spread out here before us <laughs> we just posted it a on feast of books <laughs> on uh, twitter you wanted to talk a little bit about the history of publications desert publications is that what
1: a little bit yeah <clears throat> as far as you know really finding some of those great local books by local authors those are my favorites and so i thought it would be fun if we could we could feature that today if you guys are good about talking about take us away <sighs> well i i've I first wanted to, you know, talk about when I first came here to uh, the Arizona desert. From- and, yeah, thanks. That's a good question. So I was... Coming directly from North Carolina, but I had been in Florida and done some landscape stuff with that, and I'd been in New England area and New Hampshire, Vermont. You have gardening books, of course, you know, that work great for all over the country, but you come out to Arizona with this climate that we have and really unusual conditions and the whole gardening thing's turned on its head. And we really need things that are very specific to this climate. And it was so hard to find books. And the first books that I found that were out there were uh, um, the, of course, Western Garden book. And uh, that's been always a, a great reference and kind of that, you know, Bible that you need about plants here. And, and although it covers, uh, the, you know, the entire West, so you have to kind of go through that and find the things that are specific to Arizona. But then um, there was also a great book that came out. Um, that was the, let's see, it was 1987, Plants for Dry Climates, How to Select, Grow, and Enjoy, that was Duffield and Jones. So that was probably the, like the only two books that, that were available. And then, uh, to great excitement, Judy Milkey wrote uh, Native Plants for Southwestern Landscapes uh, in 1993, and that was just a, uh, a, f- a f- great book that really featured uh, the native plants to to our southwestern desert. So it goes through Sonoran, uh, Mojave, and Chihuahuan desert plants and features those with some, you know, she had some some great photos. So that was a, a another great addition. And then it, through the 2000s, we started seeing a whole lot more books that became available. Mary Irish. Uh, first of all, let me go back to Judy Milke. She's uh, worked at Desert Botanical Garden. She's a horticulture. She's now a landscaped uh, architect and works for local Simpson Design, and she's just an amazing all-around person uh, and right here locally. And then Mary Irish, who was working at Desert Botanical Garden at the time, started writing books and she's uh, just uh, luckily for all of us, was uh, great at writing and put together a whole bunch of different books for uh, the
0: Southwest. That was really the first author name that I remember hearing breaking into this about 20 years ago. That was kind of the name that everybody Body. Yep. Uh it was, it was on the top of everyone's Oh Mary Irish, Mary Irish, Mary Irish.
1: <laughs> well she was an amazing speaker as well and you and and that was one of the things um, I've, I've got a passage I want to read from her book when you when you think it's a good time but the um, she just has such a great way to present everything unfortunately Mary by the way passed away uh, a little over a year ago I believe it was and so we've lost her but we've certainly got her books that that carry on well if you have message.
0: that quote ready go ahead or that passage I should say
1: well I want to talk about um, she's describing just to show that this this first book that she did was called *Gardening in the Desert: A Guide to Plant Selection and Care*. A very, it kind of a small book, no, f- uh, you know, color photographs, uh, some a few black and whites, but a lot of text. But I, what I love to read to people is this passage because she's talking about that that plant that we mostly new as uh, acacia willardiana it's now been renamed because those botanists like to rename things so it's Mario Sousa is the genus now um, but uh, she talks about uh, it is a superb tree for small spaces and patios growing into an airy tree 25 to 30 feet tall it is the perfect complement to a well-designed patio uh, the uh, bark is charming. It is white, hence the name, and great sheets of it peel off regularly like the pages of an ancestral sc- scroll, revealing the secrets of the bark beneath. So that's the kind of <laughs> inspiring <laughs> writing that, that you don't need photographs, and <laughs> that it, it kind of takes you there. And the Palo Blanco, for those who don't know, it does have that white. You know, papery bark, very kind of similar to maybe like a birch tree or something. That And, it, and it's just beautiful. And so uh, we do love that uh, th- these are great writers that are out there.
2: One of my favorite books that she has is this month-by-month gardening in the deserts of Arizona. You know, what do you yep. do each month to have a beautiful garden all year? Absolutely. Which and is something very unique to living in Arizona. You can have things growing all the
1: time. Yes. And so many of these are uh, set up so well as reference books. So they're mm-hmm. they're nice. And, and something like the month-to-month, you can go, oh, what? is going on this Mm -hmm. month that I need to be aware of or I need to be attuned into and so those are great and then there's the you know the plant books that you can at least look up um, individual uh, plant details and then you'll get you know things like the size and when they bloom and if there are issues sometimes they give advice on how to use them in the landscape for the design and things like that so so yes those are all cool Um, Scott Calhoun is another author that kind of came you know on the scene and his books again are. Uh, he did. Uh, let's see. With his, he's got um, yard full of sun. He's he's out of uh, Tucson, and uh, again a very skilled horticulturist and. Uh, does a lot of landscape design. Um, he has one called Chasing Wildflowers, so kind of talking about what's happening out in uh, nature as a naturalist. Uh, Hot Pots is all about, uh, you know, container gardening, and he's got
0: some beautiful pictures for that. Go back up on that one about what's out in the wildlife. We need to add that one to our staycation mm, gift yes. basket so when somebody goes out driving, they can find and yeah. look, you know, where to go see, uh, you know, the, the natural beauty and color.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, that one was uh, Chasing Wildflowers. Mm-hmm. And so what he's talking about is, is you know, getting out there and seeing what's what's out there in nature, what's happening at the time. Uh, you guys have probably heard about these uh, roadside history books and roadside, bot- or, 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 what is it? Geology. geology, geology books that are out there. I've always thought we needed a a, a roadside botany book here for Arizona. I've tried to talk Stephen to writing that, but it hasn't happened yet. But just to to highlight what's happening different times of the year that you know as you're driving down the road, you guys like what are those plants on the side of the road? It would be fun. But there's a lot of great natural history books. There's uh, the Natural History of the Sonoran Desert um, that's put out by the Arizona Sonoran desert museum and which
0: if you haven't been you have to put that on your destination go uh, down to tucson go to that It's about 30 minutes west of tucson by the time you wind your way up into the hills a little bit yeah and you get to go through
1: kind of drive through the saguaro national monument out that way too which is amazing as well and what's the name of that one again it's the natural history of the sonoran desert and it does talk about, you know, natural history. You're talking about what is going on in nature. What's fun about this book is it covers uh, the flora, the plants, and the fauna, the animals. And so you can uh, read about all kinds of, of the, you know, creatures that we find out in our de- desert as well. So great way to
0: learn about those things. And you've got it categorized on your, your list here. This, yeah. very long and extensive. <laughs> I know. But in the uh, month, Donna came up with this in I, like...
1: I think I'm... What what do they call it? A bibliophile? I've got a problem. I've got a book problem here. I'm
2: (laughs) sorry. Sorry. No wonder we like you so well.
0: (laughs) In natural history, you've got the natural... History of the Sonoran Desert by the Arizona Sonoran Desert Museum. But I am not familiar yeah. with uh, this other author, Gary Paul.
1: Nabhan. Nabhan. Yes, yes, yes. And he, again, a very prolific writer, uh, naturalist, an ethnobotanist. Uh, I think uh, he was uh, first uh, very well known by the the Desert Smells Like Rain, um, a naturalist in the O'odham con- uh, country, so he works a lot with the uh, native or indigenous people to talk about how they're using these plants, and he has written a lot about that. And so one of one of the ones, and I don't have it yet, and I want to get it. It's called Mesquite: An Arboreal Love Affair. And uh, it it I, I read something that says it combines cutting edge science with a generous sprinkling of humor and folk <laughs> wisdom, <laughs> and even some traditional recipes and cooking with mesquite. So it just sounds like it could be super fun and again we call mesquite the tree of life I mean, here in in our for our deserts and it's just uh, is an incredible t- tree so it is isn't
2: is it the mesquite out. tree that was found to have the longest root they found the I, I would believe it I think it's yeah you know, I- t- they said
1: like 180 feet deep yeah, down so into one
2: particular tree. a cave yeah. or something. Yeah. They
1: found a mesquite root that, you know, well, again, most of the trees will have these surface roots, but they, they will have some, you know, deep roots that sometimes will search for this uh, deeper water and water table and stuff like that. So,
0: yeah, I was showing my kids because we had a lot of mesquite sprouts and Palo Verde sprouts last year. Um, and with those rains, yeah. You know, there's yeah. areas we we're trying to keep from them growing up and i the the (laughs) branch it's the the tree root or not the tree with the tree sprout itself Uh had you know it wasn't more than eight inches and had two or three different branches already coming off and i took the earth talon shovel and i dug it up when it was wet that
1: the root, root was
0: <laughs> was as long from my finger to my forearm wow it was three times longer nice. than, the, yeah. than the small sprout was I mean those yeah
2: yep. yeah. if you've ever tried to just yank it one off your hand it doesn't work and they're right. little prickers already so yes. you like, oh that should have come out <laughs> but they're deep <laughs> A lot going on below ground with those,
1: yes, absolutely.
0: Gardening book review with Donna D. Francisco. If you'd like to ask a question about a gardening book, or uh, if you're new to the area and you want to know which one should I start with, or if you have one to suggest, you probably, uh, I'm going to say... She she's probably got you beat already on here. But I
1: don't you know <laughs> and I'd love to hear what the listeners uh, might recommend. So yes, please call in.
0: You can one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight rosie for you or text questions to four one one nine two three. For spending your Saturday morning with us here at Rosie on the House, we're talking book review with Donna D. Francesco. You're with the City of Mesa. Address with water use it wisely, and you also do yeah. the sustainability okay. account on Twitter uh, for the Living Green Mesa. And That's
1: right. That's right. Gotta get your yeah. get hands in a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. Fun stuff, though.
0: And along the way, you've uh, acquired a mass of. of Books here yes. for your gardening and landscape yes. library. Where do you keep all these?
1: I have a bookcase right behind me in my little, you know, city cubicle, and then we have uh, bookcases at home. And I was uh, mentioning to you earlier when I started pulling all the books out, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I we we do have a
2: lot of books. Do we have a problem?" <laughs> Collected
1: over the years, <laughs> yes. Well, when we go to conferences; we get to meet the authors a lot of times, and you know, get the books signed, and that's always fun too. And so, yeah, it's just been uh, great to collect these and again these local books by local
0: authors can't beat it and i'm kind of getting a vision for you here you know you've got i had the opportunity to do a tour your home a little bit yes when you guys finished building it about 15, 15 Seventeen years ago.
1: ago, Romy. Yes,
0: and it's hard y'all to really went out of the way to do, you know, sustainability. Mm-hmm. You have concrete countertops, and you took pecan leaves from your yard, yeah. and you flat toed them. You burnt the impression of these pecan leaves into your countertop. Yeah, yeah, As that some of that pecan wood dies, you know, branches die, or you trim it, or clean it, you, you need to dry it out, and then we need to take that and make oh, it into planks I and create a, a, your, a bookcase <laughs> out of your pecan wood. I
3: where you're
1: going <laughs> I wasn't sure at first, but I like it. I love that idea. <laughs> okay, we'll get on that. Steve, we oh, need Don- to get...
0: <laughs> Donna's going to write her book on uh, Palo Blanco bark. And peels <laughs> off of the trees, and then, and then we'll put it on that pecan bookcase. seriously
2: uh, okay. what was the word? I don't
0: know. Oh. I mean, you had made the point during the break that uh, we're getting close to the holidays, yes. and some of these might be great ideas for yes. maybe the gardener in your Absolutely. home or somebody looking for. Uh, to, to get into gardening in the desert, yeah,
1: yeah. Anybody new to the to the area, this, these would be fabulous. But you know, I know there's so much we can look up look up on the internet and online, and 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 there's some great information on there, especially at places like com and the U of A Extension site and things. But the books. They're just, you know, to me, there's just something different about that. And they're, they're, you know, for reference. And you can open them up and, and get that information. They don't have pop-up ads, for an example. So. Oh, no. <laughs>
2: for example. And they also put um, put things in context. Yes. The book you have open now, which one is
1: that? This one is Scott Calhoun's The Hot Garden, Landscape Design for the Desert Southwest.
2: And there you see a beautiful southwestern home. Oh, I know. All with the plants all around. And So you kind of yeah. get the context, not just a plant.
1: Yes. And this book, I wanted to point out. I mentioned Scott Calhoun in the the last segment, but he's uh, from the Tucson area, and he's done four beautiful books. And he writes, again, very great writer. And again, I want to read you just a little passage where he says, uh, he starts out, this is the preface of the book, um, perhaps it takes someone with a warped imagination to see the hot regions of the Southwest as the most beautiful gardens on the planet. But blessing or curse, this is how I see them. Uh, So he he just goes on with... uh, he actually has some references to uh, Tatooine, which is uh, the fictional place on Star Wars because they <laughs> had, like, two sons. And, you know, he kind of gets into just what our climate is like. Mm-hmm. And um, But he has other fun things because this is more of a design book. And one of the things I love is he talks about having those walls, colorful walls, as backdrops to your plants. He gives you the name of the color. So he, he actually will say, Dunn Edwards, such and such, you know, this the is the color on the house. Cool. Yes. <laughs> and it's all throughout uh, where he references what the color is. <clears throat> so you can find that. He also has these little uh, fun little things that are called uh, Eat Your Garden. And uh, this one's about uh, soap tree blossom salad. And so he'll, he'll he talks about how you can actually, in many these uh, native plants are edible and he'll tell you how to do that. So.
2: You, you know what else that would be... In addition to a good Christmas gift. Yes. Um, a welcome gift to a, a new home buyer, especially oh, yeah. someone new to Arizona. I remember mm-hmm. moving out here from the Midwest and from the South and thinking, this place is barren. You know, it just seemed like all, that's right. all the same color. Right. And then over time, you, you, your eye picks up things it as does. things bloom and seasons change, yes. and you, you begin to appreciate I am so how glad much is here.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up. I felt when I first came out, to look at Arizona before I moved out, before I had the opportunity to move out. Everybody asked what I thought, and I said, harsh. Mm-hmm. That was my description. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was October, it was the end of the summer, so that didn't help, but <clears throat> I thought, oh my gosh, it's harsh. Then when I got out here and I saw how beautiful and how the desert was, I just, I, that's when you really get to understand it's just such incredible beauty. These plants are so sculptural, there's so much to it.
2: Unique and beautiful.
0: Well, we've got about 30 seconds here before the bottom-of-the-hour news, and Jennifer has an interview in the next segment. Yes. Set us up. Who, who'd you connect oh, her with? Oh,
1: this was great. Steve and I uh, had just gone to Vegas for Desert Green Conference, and we uh, kind of got a chance to revisit with Greg Starr, who was presenting there, because he has a new revised book, Cool Plants for Hot Gardens. So, Jennifer, talk to him. We'll yeah, stay out. tuned. All right
0: one 767 4348 That's one triple eight rosie for you. For those on hold, hang tight. We'll screen those calls right now during the uh, bottom of the hour news. And we'll uh, be back right here with Donna D. Francesco talking gardening book reviews and Jennifer's interview with Star Nursery.
2: on the house. We are really having a good time this morning talking book reviews with Donna De Francisco of Water Use It Wisely, and she's giving us our favorites. And I think I have a new favorite. You know, when I think about gardening, um, especially in the desert, I think about how hard it can be, And I think I've learned some of the secrets to to planting well, and that is a lot of experimenting, and that is also finding local experts, local authors, local nurseries, local gardeners. And I would like to introduce to you today Greg Starr of Tucson, and he's an author and he's the owner of Starr Nursery in Tucson. Good morning, Greg.
3: Good morning, Jennifer. Thanks for having me on.
2: Ah, thanks for being available. So I wanted to tell everybody about this cool book you have called Cool Plants for Hot Gardens. And I... uh, you were kind enough to send me a copy and I opened it up and I have to admit I'm pretty wowed just the amount of information that you can get in a short amount of time it is a beautiful book with gorgeous pictures I even used my plant this app on it and it was able to identify the pictures from the pages they're just beautiful Um, oh wow but you can find um, all in one glance the sizes color season amount of sun amount of water the zones the growth rate the hardiness and what it attracts all in one page so what a great work of love you have put into this book
3: well thank you Jennifer yeah I started this when I was um, at the University of Arizona I was working for Professor Warren Jones in experimenting with newer and unusual plants for the landscape and we'd test them out and everything and so that was um, back in the 1980s so I was working on that and it just kind of evolved from there i would produce plant sheets where i'd write everything down and then print those out and try to get those out to people and finally it evolved into uh cool plants for hot gardens and the first version was published locally here in tucson and when it went out of print, the publisher did not want to reprint it, so that gave me the opportunity opportunity to revise and update and uh, change some of the things about the book, and I feel that it's a, a very good product. Um,
2: well, at the end of it, you you, you mentioned it's got a plant database.
3: Right, with yeah, l- so... Everything's broken down by size category, so small, medium, large shrubs, small, medium trees, vines, ground covers, uh, what have you. And under that there are um, those rows for the plant names Mm -hmm. broken down into those big categories. And in the columns we've got hummingbird icons, bees, butterflies, water use, and then the page number so it's a very easy to use handy guide that if you're looking for say a large shrub that attracts hummingbirds you start with a large shrub category which begins on page 336 here and you can just scan down through the hummingbird column and find which ones um, attract hummingbirds and look over to see what page number it's on and then you can read more about the plant in specifics on that page So I think that's a a really cool feature of the book. Uh, It's something that my son came up with, and he incorporated that into the book for me. So, yeah, it's a a really good feature.
2: You know, this is a a lifetime book. If you have anybody who loves gardening, I'm thinking this is a great uh, Christmas gift. So, and Greg, as I'm looking through it, it's a lot of plants that I think of as desert plants, just like things you would see on a walkabout in the desert. Do you think you could find most of these plants in the nursery?
3: Uh, A lot of them, I was thinking about this earlier, maybe about 90% of the plants that are in the book will be relatively easily available at most garden centers. There are some, some plants in there that will be restricted to, I'll say, specialty outlets, specialty nurseries. So down here in Tucson, we have Desert Survivors, we have Tohonochua Park, Uh, they hold plant sales, and there's another small nursery called Spadefoot Nursery, and they all work with uh, small growers, local growers of some of these things, and we're trying to promote some more plants uh, that these local growers and specialty nurseries carry and try and get those into the landscape as well.
2: Well, it's back to that right, you know, just the right plant in the right place and, and having plants that are acclimated you know you can go to a big box store and get just about anything that's beautiful but you know whether it's suited to the desert or the space that you've got is is another story so it's really wonderful to have this kind of resource to pick the right thing hey can I ask you about a couple things I, I noticed in the book as I was looking through Sure. Um, in reading about uh, in the beginning, you have a nice introduction about all the things to consider when you're planting, and you talked about uh, the drinking habits of the plants, and it was something I just hadn't read or considered before. And you, and it's about the watering technique. Can you explain that?
3: Sure. Um, I'm frequently asked about. Um, drip irrigation and the the scheduling of these drip irrigations, or I'll get calls from people who say, oh, such and such a plant isn't doing so well, so we have to start asking all the questions to try and figure out what's going on with that. It's like, well, is it on a drip system? Yes, it is, or no, it isn't, so it takes you one way or the other, so if it's on a drip system, I will ask well how how many emitters are on on that plant how big is the plant how many emitters how often is it going and how long does the the system stay on all those things will affect the performance of the plant and so often i find out that the drip system, maybe it's five or six or 10 years old, has never been updated, so it's still got, say, one or two, one-gallon-an-hour emitters on the, that plant, and it's still running at the same scheduling mm. as when the plants were first planted, so they're running every day for an hour in the summertime, and it's like you have to start cutting back on the frequency. In increasing the duration as well as increasing the number of emitters so you can expand the root zone so that plant will have a bigger base to draw from as it gets older and will be more adapted to getting less frequent watering but still have a a good root zone so it can... um, you know, draw from the the root area for nutrients and water, and that actually so makes for
2: a harder plant, is what you were saying right. too.
3: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, if you can expand that that root zone, then you can cut back on the frequency of the watering, but you still have to give the plant plenty of water when you're initially or when you're watering it at that time.
2: Oh, That's great.
3: But you may only be watering once a week instead of every day for an hour. You may be watering. Uh, once a week for three or four hours but you've added more emitters so the, the watering goes farther out I mean this watering is a whole it's a whole other topic that's
2: right we'll have to have you back for that for sure well I wanted to let people know where they could get this book Greg um, and you have an, a, a website
3: I do. It's starnursery.com it's, and it has a hyphen between star and nursery. So star star, S-T-A-R-R-nursery.com and the book can be purchased through there. I've been trying to get it out to other outlets um, because I've self-published this. I've got I think I still have about a thousand copies sitting around the house that uh, are taking up some space in one of the rooms, but we're trying to get it out to other places, and I've been able to get it into places like Tohono Tool Park, Uh, Spadefoot does carry it. Uh, Desert Survivors has a few copies, so I'm getting it out here and there. And whenever I go do a presentation, I'll take books and sell them that way. Well,
2: let's let's give a shout out to our our homeowners that are listening this morning. This is Cool Plants for Hot Gardens, um, revised edition by Greg Starr. It's a and it has 150 water smart choices from from um, for the Southwest. So and you guys can go to StarNursery.com and order a copy. And I'm telling you, it would be a great Gift stocking stuffer for the for the holidays. Greg, thanks for joining us today.
3: Sure thing, my pleasure. I enjoy it. Bye now. Okay, thanks. Bye bye.
0: Well, thank you for turning us on to uh, that, Donna. Oh yeah. you, uh, And you had mentioned a little bit during the break about the desert green. Conference. I hadn't heard about that one.
1: Yeah, yeah, they uh, hold that uh, each year in Las Vegas, and so it's a lot of the the folks from from that area of the of the Southwest, and they get people from California and a lot of people from Arizona who uh, present and, and attend, and just a great group. And they're dealing with a lot of uh, you know they're ninety percent of their water's Colorado River water, so they've got some super serious uh, th- things they're dealing with. They've got a non-functional turf ordinance now, or. They're removing all the grass and non-functional areas. And so, yeah, there's a lot going on in the landscape industry due to some of those uh, new ordinances.
0: I know they're even in the process of drilling a new well into Lake Mead because their existing well you know is that risk intake of, yeah
1: they've already done that and they are already they're uh, already in a good place okay. yes <laughs> so that was a uh, smart of them to to, to get a, a lower intake yes <laughs> and it is it's it's incredible uh to, to you know see the just how the, the reservoir how, how low that is right now but you know greg brought up something good which was that hardening your plants off with the water because we are in this mega drought we don't know how things are going to play out with this you know we do need our plants to we we need these great plants that are in these books that are just beautiful uh, that tolerate our conditions and what we have found is that just like hardening a plant off when you get it from the nursery to get used to the cooler temperatures or more sun you harden off for watering as well and so if we are overwatering all the time our plants are going to be less uh, adapted to deal with drought and so that's something else to keep in mind let's make sure we're watering just as much as they need and not too much and uh, they'll be able to tolerate uh, real dry conditions.
0: Well, we haven't even scratched the surface of this list you put together, Donna, some. I I'm come just going to turn... Yes, absolutely. Glad <laughs> to have you back, but I'm also just going to let you, you know, focus in on what... <laughs> Final. <laughs> what, what highlights do you want to hit on this that we we've got time in this last seven minutes? Well,
1: first, just one last thing uh, about Greg Starr and it, that he didn't mention that I think everybody should know and that he's this plantsman and he would go out and he'd explore and uh, there again he does field notes in his book and it's this is about a, a medium shrub called uh, Vigiera. Stenoloba, uh, skeleton leaf, goldeneye. Really great little tough desert uh, flowering plant, yellow flowering plant. And it says, way back in the good old days of 1987, Ron Gass, who's from Mountain States Wholesale Nursery, uh, and I were zooming along Mexico Highway 40 in uh, southern uh, Coahuila on the way back home from northeastern Mexico and spotted the yellow daisy like flowers topping this pretty shrub. A handful of seed made their way home with us, and now this species is regarded as one of the best land landscape shrubs for the desert southwest so he was out there exploring and finding these plants bringing them back putting them into production so we could have them in our landscape so we appreciate so much those people that did this uh and brought us some beautiful plants for our landscapes um the other thing i want to mention there's a new book coming out next february of 2023 from noelle johnson you may have heard of her the yes, Arizona that plant lady absolutely and uh has she been on before jennifer
2: I don't believe so. I have spoken with her to- before, and kinda, we've touched base a couple yeah. times. I'd love to have her on sometime. Absolutely. And she's been around uh, teaching
1: about gardening for over 20 years, and she uh, has this new book coming out, uh, Dry Climate Gardening, Growing Beautiful, Sustainable Gardens in Low Water Conditions. So she's really kind of touching upon what's going on with, the again, the climate and everything, and uh, has plant profiles, talks about how to care for them, how to plant all kinds of details on that um and then uh, uh, oh kids books we
2: we don't want to forget i have some uh books Grape listed books. for the kids yes <laughs> i never go to a botanical <laughs> garden without looking at the ki- oh, at yeah. the bookshelves because there you will find some wonderful books right and it's usually kind of a nice small selection it's not overwhelming yeah, and yeah. the kids section is always inspiring i love it the is. kids books and they're so well
1: done and then you can f- sometimes find the fun little stuffed animal to go with it like the uh, one of my favorite authors is Conrad Storad. He writes all about, it's more about the fauna the, or the, the, the animals. And so he has a book called Don't Call Me Pig, which is a javelina <laughs> story. Or Monster on the Rocks, which is about Gila monsters. Um, there's one about a pack rat. And there's a desert tortoise one and a roadrunner book. And they're all just so well done. They're accurate and um, in, in the, the, the information that he provides. And at the very back, he even has a little kind of more detail about those creatures, so those are fun.
2: Fun and colorful, too. Absolutely. Oh, he always has
1: the best best artist that works on his books, so, yes.
2: And and your heart, you know, you have a lot of passion for all these things, but you are Water Use It Wisely voice. So you have some publications too to share. Well,
1: and of course, you know, these uh, books, they, you know, they, they you have to buy them, but we do, just to remind everyone, we do have the free publications, which we also have online versions of all of them. Uh, Landscape Plants for the Arizona Desert, that's more than uh, 200 low-water-use plants featured in there, and the online has beautiful uh, plant photos, and as well as even the book has good photos. And then the Xeriscape, um, Landscape with style in the Arizona desert. It's more of a design book and it has some installation details. And then landscape watering by the numbers, a guide for the Arizona desert. Uh, and those are just kind of your three must haves for just great overall information uh, for the desert southwest. And you can get them from your water conservation office. Uh, we, I know Mesa, we supply them to the nurseries and to the libraries. So kind of just keep an eye out. We do
2: use those frequently at our house. <laughs>
0: Good. And they're great just. To, to get ideas and inspiration mm-hmm, as well. Definitely. You know, you've got a new property, a new home, and yes. it, it you didn't select a landscape package that came with it, and you've got to figure out what to do with it now or how to put right. it together and have a nice uh, desert landscape. I mean, it... You, you talked to what was your word that you described Arizona as harsh? Harsh. When I first came here,
1: <laughs> and and there was somebody to call me the other day. By the way, then she said, uh, she said, well, people tell you you get used to the desert, but I've been here twenty years, and I just I just don't care for it. And I said mm-hmm. I am so sorry, and and I would hope that somebody like that, you know, I would encourage them to look at uh, these books and to get the natural history books and to really, you know, get out there and do the hikes. I know you guys are great at uh, promoting that as well. To go out and see it, um, it's, it's just beautiful. And I, I'm always struck when I go out for a hike. It's like, this looks like a beautiful landscape. It's got the layering. It's got, you know, the the, the ground covers, the accent plants, the trees, uh, and boulders. It's like, this is what I you know, this is what you want your landscape to look
0: like, too. And we always like to send people to places they can go see a good uh, desert landscape. You know, the wastewater treatment plant on the city of Scottsdale. That's right on Hayden Road, yeah. south of Saguaro one, the Botanical Garden. Yes. You'd mentioned earlier the Sonoran Museum out of Tucson. Right. And there's some really easy places Boyce to Thompson, go that you don't need yeah. to mm-hmm. go on this massive road trip to go see. Boyce Thompson's is a great yeah. example.
1: Yeah, definitely. There's some
0: wonderful places. So, yes.
1: And they usually have plant sales as well. That's right. They just finished up a lot of the plant sales. But they might, they, they often still have plants being sold year-round. And go out there and find those uh, unique nurseries that Greg mentioned. They have these really
0: usual plants give them a try experiment down in De francisco <laughs> thanks for spending your saturday morning with us water Thank use you. it wisely.com